the more you understand like what makes the algorithm tick and the more you put it together in the beginning, like the faster it's going to grow in your favor. And so that's what's cool about the algorithm and the fact that YouTube as a platform has several different traffic sources within itself. All these traffic sources that are just ready to work in your favor. We became entrepreneurs because more than anything, we want freedom. We want to be in control of our own schedule, income, and life. But unfortunately, that isn't always the reality of being a business owner. I'm Gillian Perkins, and I'm on a mission to take back entrepreneurship for what it's supposed to be. In every episode, I'll share with you how to get the most out of every hour you work so that you can work less and earn more. Let's get to it. Hi there, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the show. I'm joined today by Marissa Romero. Hi there, Marissa. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Gillian. Yes, absolutely. So Marissa Romero is a YouTuber and creator. She has a YouTube channel that she's grown to over 100,000 YouTube subscribers, where she talks about online business and building side hustles, building passive income, and also growing on YouTube because she's seen a lot of success in that area as well. So in today's interview, I'm going to be talking to her specifically about how she got her first thousand subscribers. I was telling her before we got started that I know a lot of people when they're first starting their channel and they're getting those first thousand or they got them recently, nobody's really asking them like, how did you do it? Because they're not seen as a big success yet. But after their channel grows and they start sharing about their secrets to success and how they did their YouTube strategy, then they just talk about the, the growth that came later and how they're continuing to grow. But a lot of the time we don't know how they got that first thousand and it can be a bit of a mystery. So that's what we're going to be focusing at least the first half of today's interview on. And then in the second half, we'll be getting into some things that go a little bit beyond that, how she's grown from a thousand to where she is today. So just again, Marissa, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Yes, absolutely. Gillian, thank you so much for having me on the show. And I'm, I'm excited to talk all things YouTube and wherever this conversation takes us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So let's get started by, could you just tell us a little bit about why you decided to start your YouTube channel? Like what was going on in your life that you were like, yeah, YouTube, that's for me. I do like to tell this story because it was in my, I call it my entrepreneurial dip. My point where it was do or die, either you make something happen and make income come in or you have to get a job again. So basically going back to 2017, I, I had an e-commerce business. I had a couple of online stores and I was doing Shopify. And so I was doing that business model. I you know, was running Facebook ads, building up the stores, researching hot products. I had VAs helping me with fulfillment and stuff. And so I reached a, a point in early 2018 where I had started my digital nomad journey. I had actually left the United States and I was like, you know, I'm going, I'm off, and I'm, I'm also selling my stores. <laughs> so I was like, okay, well, we'll see what happens. So I got to Thailand, and I was, uh, I had sold my stores. I was trying out different uh, business models. I was just doing a little bit of coaching on the side where I could just to make some revenue. But I was like, okay, so the bills are increasing. I'm in tens and thousands of dollars worth of credit card debt. Savings is going down very fast. I need to make something happen and I need, need to make something happen ASAP. And so I decided to go with YouTube because 
I saw the power behind the organic traffic and I was like, you know, there's creators on here that are just teaching what they know. It's kind of like a role model, I guess, based expert. And I'm like, well, if I could just teach what I know, because I knew a lot of marketing skills, I guess I could just grow my channel like that. So I was like, you know, I'm going to start and I'm just going to post as much as I can. So I, I posted almost every day for about two months. And I remember getting my first sale with an affiliate product. It was a $33 and 50 cent sale. And I was like, wow, this is, this is not a sign that I'm probably doing the right thing. I don't know what it is. So I was like, okay, this works. YouTube traffic quote works. <laughs> so that's when I knew I was going to dedicate uh, myself to building the channel up bigger and better. So, so that's where the journey started for me. <laughs> Wow, I can relate to that so much because I had a similar little like spark at the beginning that made me decide. And so what had happened for me was I had started a channel a few years before and it was totally just a hobby. Just like, I'm just gonna, you know, throw some videos up. This looks fun. And I had no strategy at all. But even though I had no strategy and honestly, my videos were horrible, I still had a couple videos to take off and get the one that got the most got like 500,000 views. And this was with me not trying at all. My channel didn't grow because nobody wanted to subscribe for, you know, the trash that I was putting out there. But I just saw that that power of it where you could get all this free traffic. And so, yeah, I can just really relate to that when I was then trying to build my business later on. And I was like, I need customers. Where can I find customers? I don't have a budget for advertising. Oh, yeah, YouTube. So that was where I went too. Yeah, so, totally yeah. relatable. Because <laughs> so I... I I actually started vlogging like even before that when I was still in the 95 um, and I didn't know I was going to be an entrepreneur. I was daily vlogging and like I had no intent of making it a business, but no, my videos were, would see crickets and I was just like, yeah, I'm, I'm vlogging my daily content, my um, trip to the river and my LASIK surgery, just all types of random stuff. And that was definitely not going to last. So I can't relate. <laughs> <laughs> so you said you were posting videos every single day. Wow. That is commitment. Uh, and that also sounds like a lot of work. Can you tell me a little bit more about how that was working? It, they were not the fancy videos that you see now on my channel that this wasn't 4k. This was not, um, send the video to my editor and, script or nothing. It was, it was kind of embarrassing to think about it now, but I just literally used my, whatever it was, iPhone seven at the time, uh, the built-in web camera that I have in my laptop and that's it. Like it was mm -hmm. just non-scripted. I would get up on camera and film, you know, a 10 ish, 15 minute video and just upload it and post. I, I would add a thumbnail. So that's, that's good. But it was just, <laughs> it was not definitely a lot of, of bad practices that I wish I would have known back then. But I, you know, but I, I was putting it up, the, the content was getting up. And so that's, that's for me, that's how I was able to, to get approved for the YouTube partnership program fast because uh, the, that generated a thousand subscribers and, and I got the watch hours within, I think it was about two and a half months. And I was just like, Whoa, you know, I, holy crap. Like I was just like, I think my first AdSense check was like around $900. And I'm like, 
this is a huge payday for me because wow, that's like proof that you grew really fast at the beginning, because a lot of the time mm-hmm. people's first AdSense checks are for a hundred dollars because that's the threshold when you'll get a check. Right. So right. that means that in that month when you started making money, basically, you didn't just the money didn't slowly trickle and you suddenly earned like almost nine hundred dollars. That's really cool. I agree. I was just like, I could not believe it. I was just like, because, uh, you know, I had gone from, you know, not being able to pay my bills to being able to breathe again and be like, okay, great. I, wow, I have this, this income and I was starting to make more uh, affiliate commission. So it was, it was getting, the situation was improving a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So you said you were doing like a lot of bad practices quote with your, your videos because you weren't, you know, you weren't very strategic about how you were creating them. You weren't, it sounds like you weren't editing them much or at all, right. You're just kind of making them and throwing them up there. But even though I agree, like not ideal, especially long term, right? Kudos to you for like just getting started, having a messy beginning, right? And just like getting to work without waiting until everything was perfect. Right. That's the thing. It's when people, there has to be that, whether it's a financial situation or whether it's another need to start, it's kind of like you have to have that go hard mentality in the beginning. I don't expect anybody to, I don't advise people to post every day. That's, that's insane. That's not, that's not healthy. Um, but I, I do tell people to, to start it like it's do or die and that you have no other choice. And you know, you're going to make it work. You're going to see through the first slow six, nine months and just give it all you got for a year. That's what mm-hmm. I say to people. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't advise posting once a day either, but I do see some really good things that came from it. Because when I'm coaching people on starting their channel, so often they, because they have like a whole week to make every video, they try to spend a whole week making every video. And it becomes this really complicated process that, and they just like get in over their head too fast. You know, they're trying to make their first couple videos. They have no experience with it yet. And then they're trying to make this giant production. And so it can be overwhelming um, and it can be extremely time consuming. So I, I see that it was good for you to start really simple, right? And to not overwhelm yourself at the beginning. And then it also, you got a lot of practice in right there at the beginning, right? Like because you were doing it every day, like you got your process down pat. Um, whereas when you make a video like once a week, you know, what happens is once a week you sit down to do this thing you haven't done for a week, right? That's new and foreign to you all over again. So it was a great way, I think, to get your feet wet and to be really committed, but without being too overwhelmed. Because like if we tried to make a video every day right now with our current processes, I mean, that would be insanity. That would be so unhealthy, right? But if we sat down and talked to our webcam and then hit upload, you know, maybe it took 15 minutes to design a thumbnail in Canva, you know, we could do that, right? Exactly. Exactly. Maybe we don't want to keep doing it forever like that, but it, it would be pretty easy to fit into a schedule. Mm-hmm. It's just like any other, um, like if somebody has a coach for, for something, you can't just magically in a month or even two months just have the habits that this expert has. It's impossible. And I think that's where people get stuck is they try to incorporate everything all at once. And it's just like, you can't start with just uploading five to eight minute videos and go from there, establish those, those habits first of just getting into a routine. And then, but naturally over several months, everything is going to improve altogether, really. 
So while maybe your getting started strategy wasn't perfect, I do think that there were so many good things that you did and so many lessons that other people can learn with how you kept things so simple, how you were so consistent. So talk to me a little bit about just the growth that you saw, because it sounds like it happened pretty fast. You said about like two and a half months, aside from just posting every day, you know, you said you did some things wrong. What did you do right? What were some things that really contributed to that growth? Oh, that's a great question. Um, well, let me ask you this. Was it completely <laughs> just completely organic? Like you just put the videos on YouTube and then, you know, clicked out of YouTube, right? Mm-hmm. Or did you tell anyone about the videos? Did you promote them somehow at all? Yeah. So I, I guess one, a couple of the things I did that were good was I, I had good titles. I had good titles with a lot of keywords in them. I had secondary keywords. I had a, I had a description with, you know, links, affiliate links and um, other keywords in there as well. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that that was good because a lot, a lot of people can miss that in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I, I had the thumbnails. Those were good things. And also one thing that I was doing kind of was looking at my analytics, even though I didn't understand them not as good as I did back then, as I do now, of course, but I would, I would look at the analytics and I would say like, Oh, this one, this video about Instagram marketing did pretty well. Maybe I should make another one, something like that. Those were things that I, I think I, I did pretty well the first, you know, four, three to four months that I was, that I was on YouTube. Okay. So the first thing I'm hearing is consistency. You were super consistent. And then after that, it sounds like you were pretty focused on keyword research and YouTube SEO and ranking on YouTube. And that was kind of where you put most of your attention. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I would say I started to post not as frequently. I think I went down to posting like three times in a week mm-hmm. and instead of, cause I was getting, getting better at, at, duplicating my top content, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. and, and putting a little bit more care into, you know, the script and what I was going to say and, and actually having, you know, bullet points and, and things to talk about. So uh, yeah, that's, that's what I would say. I see. So, so basically when you first started, you kind of had this like scattershot approach of like, let's just put content out there. Let's see what works. And then as you started to see what worked, then you doubled down on those topics, those keywords that you saw were working. And so you focused on creating gradually like higher and higher quali- quality content and less content. Is that right? Yeah, I would say that's right. Okay. So aside from those things you've mentioned so far, where's there anything else that you did to get those first thousand subscribers? I mentioned like, did you promote the videos at all? Were you like sharing links to them on Instagram, on Facebook? Were you telling people in real life? I wasn't, I wasn't, but I, sh- I should have, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just something I, I didn't know to do. I mean, I, yeah. I didn't, my, my thumbnails were a hot mess. Cause at first mm. I was doing them and I'm not a graphic designer at all. <laughs> I, I would, I would put, I had no sense of branding. So it was just like one thumbnail would be purple and yellow. The next would be like tie dye, like who knows, you know, lime in there. In there. <laughs> so, and so like, I wasn't doing those things. And a lot of times people they'll have a Facebook group or a fan page or an Instagram account. And they'll think like, Oh, I only have, you know, 600 followers or whatever. But I tell people it's so great in the beginning to, um, if you can just repurpose content of, uh, you know, little clips of your YouTube video 
and and put those on IGTV because we you know we know that IGTV is your only kind of evergreen content where you can have a link you know for forever and in there so that you can have you know more traffic going to your video and so I do think it's if you promote it on Instagram Twitter your Facebook TikTok oh my gosh tick I just started TikTok last week and the, you can't ignore the virality. So wherever you are to cross promote your YouTube channel, that's that's a great great tactic. YouTube and YouTube, the algorithm really likes that too. Yeah. So again, I kind of hear you saying like I made some mistakes at the beginning. I should have been sharing it more. Yes, but at the same time, doesn't that just show the amazing power of the YouTube algorithm? The fact that you were able to grow your audience that fast and get just that much visibility just on YouTube alone without doing anything else. I think that is an awesome, just like inspirational thing for people who are thinking about starting YouTube to hear because a lot of them ask me like, oh, do I need to post it on Instagram? Do I need to post it on Facebook? You know, do I need to go on TikTok or something like that? And again, they're trying to like overcomplicate it too soon and they're, but they have this fear that they don't have a big audience so how is this ever going to grow because like telling people on instagram is not going to help that much since there's nobody there yet right Mm -hmm. but you know what you're telling us is that you got started and youtube did this on its own you know like you put the content into youtube and youtube grew your audience for you which is just so cool yeah it's great because back in well, I, I don't think either one of us were on YouTube, like back in 2012, 2010. And, you know, the the algorithm was just based off of one factor, like views, like getting views, that's it. But now we we know what the algorithm wants. It it has kind of like a checklist of factors that mm-hmm. that it, it goes through, kind of like um, click-through rate and the view velocity and just and posting frequency. And so when you under the more you understand like what makes the algorithm tick and the more you put it together in the beginning, like the faster it's going to grow in your favor. And so that's, that's what's cool about the algorithm and the fact that YouTube as a platform has several different traffic sources within itself, right? It, you have, there's the search bar, there's notification, there's suggested traffic, all these, all these traffic sources that are just ready to work in your favor. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. It is such an amazing ecosystem that they've created. A lot of people, I think, can get kind of down on YouTube about like how the algorithm doesn't work how they want it to, or, you know, it definitely has its glitches, has its problems, right? I think Mm -hmm. we can all agree on that. But there's no doubt about it that they've just built something that is an incredible system for suggesting content to people that people will enjoy. Um, And that just gives this huge opportunity for people to become creators and to create that content that people will enjoy and get found, which doesn't happen on just about any other platform. So I love it. Right. Exactly. Okay. So getting back to your YouTube journey, can you tell me about any challenges you faced during that first year of trying to grow your channel? Challenges in the first year? Um, I got to a point where I wanted to level up my, my, the quality of the videos. I, I definitely saw a need for that. So I think the biggest obstacle during that first year was going from iMovie to learning Final Cut Pro and then thinking to myself, you know, I, I could be an amazing editor. I think editing is super fun, but I'm just not the best. There's people out there that can do it for me and that make, that can make my videos look really good. So I think that the challenge there was uh, finding an, an editor or a team that I could trust. And mm-hmm. I had tried 
editors on Fiverr and they just were, they were doing no better than I could do. I'm like, okay, this is frustrating. Mm -hmm. And so it was, um, I guess the hardest part was trusting in, in the team that I finally did choose and trusting in the investment I, w I was making that it would, you know, in return have, you know, such a greater, greater result and not being scared to, to invest there, you know, not being, cause a lot of people think like, oh man, like if editing's going to cost me $500 a month or a thousand dollars a month, like, ah, oh, I'm not sure if I want to do that. And it's just, and you just have to trust that that's so much of your time that you're getting back to do other things in your business. Yeah, I can relate to that too. I tried to outsource a few things in my business prior to that. Um, and at least while I had had a team of employees with my local business, when I tried to take my business online um, and I was working with people remotely, I just found that to be a whole different ball game and really difficult to communicate with them about what I actually needed them to do and have it be profitable, really, like to have them be saving me more time than they were costing me. Um, but the thing that finally I was able to outsource, like the first thing was video editing. And it was after trying a few different video editors, just like you were saying, like on Fiverr and being frustrated at frustrated with it. And then finally, I found someone on Upwork um, who was a good communicator. And that was probably their number one good skill. They were also a pretty good editor, but they were a good communicator. I could talk to them like a human and they understood what I was looking for. And at that point, I'd had my channel for around a year or so. And I'd been doing all the editing myself. And I wasn't yet making so much money that I just like, this was just like extra money I had like, oh, I can just like, you know, this money, I don't know what to do with it. I guess I'll invest it back into my business by hiring someone. That wasn't what happened. It was just my channel was making more than I was paying the editor. Like that was the only math that was going on. And I was like, I need to get my time back. So now I can build the business around this channel. Exactly. So I think that hiring an editor is, um, I always tell people that I recommend that they start by editing their videos themselves, just so that they can at least get their feet wet, see what it's like, try to figure out kind of what they're looking for. But then after they do a little bit, if they are not planning on doing it long term, it is really good to hire someone because editing is just the most time consuming part of like the process of making YouTube videos. Exactly. I can't agree more. Being an editor isn't something you want to really level up and, and be super good at. Yeah, definitely. I agree with you. Like, let it let it go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I was spending probably four hours editing each video. And then I outsourced it to someone who could do it better for me in about half the time. So he would spend like two hours. And so even though I was paying him at that time more than my time was worth per hour, it was fewer hours, right? And so the math worked out, the math made sense. And it really helped me to be able to grow. Yeah, nice. <laughs> The episode you're currently listening to was originally offered as a live stream inside Startup Society, our training program for digital entrepreneurs. Each week in the program, Gillian teaches a live workshop for startup members, including a teaching segment like what you're listening to right now, a tutorial segment that demonstrates how to take action on the lesson, and an open Q&A period where Gillian and guest experts work directly with each member. Members also get access to Startup Society's library of business training courses, monthly co-working sessions, and other events, and our private community forum. If you're looking for affordable business training, mentorship, and accountability, then visit startupsociety.com forward slash podcast to learn more about the program and apply to join. Now here's Gillian with the rest of today's episode. So thank you 
so much for everything that you shared about how you've gotten this first thousand. Like I said earlier, I just think it's such an amazing like testimony to the power of YouTube and can be so inspirational to people who are thinking of starting but thinking, oh, but I don't have any traction yet. I don't have an audience yet. How do I go from here to that first thousand? Like the answer is the algorithm. It's amazing. So we just need to like show up and be consistent, find the right keywords and go after, you know, just make those videos on a regular basis about the topics that people are looking for. Um, so now I'd like to transition a little bit here and talk about what you've done to grow from that first thousand to where you're in, to where you are right now. How many subscribers do you have at the moment? 152,000. Oh, wow. You're growing so fast. It's <laughs> so cool. Last time I looked, you were at like 125. So that's awesome. <laughs> Amazing. Um, so what has changed? Talk about that first. Like what has changed from your strategy at the beginning to the strategy that ha that you're using today? Mm -hmm. Yes, I would say that thumbnails are... <laughs> <laughs> thumbnails matter? What? Yes. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. Thumbnail strategy has changed and that would that'd probably be number, the number one thing. And I would also say going for suggested traffic as opposed to keyword search traffic. And so and it, it, for me, I, I don't think, and this is something that is kind of more like for ad, advanced YouTubers. Yeah. You can't just go for suggested traffic in the beginning, right? And so... I guess with, with thumbnails, that, that is part of the strategy to, to get into suggested traffic and to get into the play, play next video position on other people's channels. So that is, I think the first thing I would tell somebody is maybe have a graphic designer or somebody give you a thumbnail style guide. And that, that's what I did in about summer of 2019 when someone told me like, you should just have one style. I'm like, one style. That's, I'm like, well, <laughs> I thought, I thought that my audience would get bored and that yeah. I, my thumbnails had to look different all the time. Like, I'm like, no, I can't just have one style. And so, and so that's what I did. And you know, it's no, you can see in my analytics that it made the difference. The AdSense revenue went up, views, subscribers, because I had a sense of branding. Like I picked three colors and I just stuck with that. And, and that, that was it. And I was like, wow. And, and I had my first viral video on the channel because of that. I had a work from home video that, that went viral. Then after that, I later on about maybe six months later, I, I invested into a full branding identity and branding style guide, which goes in deeper into, you know, who your audience is, your logo and your colors and that. And so that, that also made a, another huge difference. And but I think the point is you just you just constantly look at how you can level up in your niche and and make your intros better. So that's the other thing is is retention. Are you holding people that first minute of your video? How many people are leaving and clicking off your video in that first minute? Obviously people are always going to leave. That's just how it is statistically, but can you hold 50% of people during that first minute, can you hold 60 or 70? And so that's, those are the things where you start to, to focus on once you have that habit developed, you know, you start to look at those fine tuned things that really make a, a bigger difference over time. And it, and it's less effort on your part really at, at the end of the day, when your thumbnails are, 
are converting higher. And when you're doing things to during your video that are um, holding the retention longer. I do. I cannot agree more. Like thumbnails are so, so important. And I definitely think that people should figure out a way because I, I have a few different strategies I share with people about like how to get their thumbnails looking consistent, but it is so important. And so many people just try to freestyle and just like design each thumbnail as its own thing. Like, let's try to make this thumbnail look as good as it can. Um, but not only are they missing the mark with the one thumbnail, but all the thumbnails don't go together at all. And it does help your channel so much when your thumbnails look consistent, when people really see your channel as having high quality content. And it starts with what they see when they just visit your channel page, right? Exactly. <clears throat> exactly. So you, were, you were also talking about how one of the strategies that's really changed for you is a shift from focusing on just search traffic to now focusing more on suggested traffic. So aside from thumbnails, what else are you doing to try to get more into suggested? Mm -hmm. One strategy is just kind of modeling after uh, viral topics or titles. And, you know, that's not really to say like copying the, the videos, it's more like, you know, if you if you see a video that's like how to lose weight fast after pregnancy, 10 tips, it's like, and you see that that video is viral, it's got a million views in six months, and it's on the first page of YouTube, all that stuff. That's a good indicator of a title that you can do, you know, you can and people ask, like, well, do you copy the exact same title? It's like, well, you can switch up, like, if it's 10 tips, make it five or, you know, how to lose weight postpartum fast or something, you know, switch up maybe one or two things in the title. But the idea is, is the same that you can choose, you know, it, it's not about reinventing the wheel. And that's what I think people, people get, you know, hung up on is like, Oh, I gotta have gotta be unique. Gotta be special. I gotta invent something. You don't. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Good right. ideas are already out there, right? Like most most big stores that are making lots of money, like Walmart or Target or something like that, they're not making money by inventing a new product, right? They're making money by selling a product that has demand for it. And so we can look on YouTube and we can study YouTube, study the content on YouTube. We can see what types of content there are demand for. And we can create those same types of content, types of content on our channel, right? It doesn't mean we're copying people. It means we're learning from what topics are performing well. Exactly. It's the same. And it's the same kind of um, not I know this isn't about TikTok, but it's kind of the same with TikTok. It's like oh, I was so scared. I'm like, I, I have to dance and I have to like <laughs> come up with these like wild things. And it's like, no, just there's topics that are popular in in my niche. And I'm like, OK, well, use the same title, use the same hashtags and just make it your own, like make it your own version. And that's that's how you get it, get it going. It's kind of the same that applies with, with the popular t um, videos that are already doing really, really well on, on YouTube. That was one of the things I focused on the most heavily right when I was starting. And even a few months before I was starting, I was just like studying YouTube. You know, what is working on YouTube? What kinds of content are people watching? And I was just making like lots of lists. I love to make lists. And so making lists was my way of doing research. I was just like making lists of videos that I noticed were performing well. And what about them was performing well? You know, what about it did I like? And I just started there with like really studying as a platform. And then that put me in a position to be able to make make content that was a lot more strategic than, like I said, I had had this channel in the past that was so not strategic. So mm -hmm. 
I like, we had like different approaches when we got started. I was like, study, 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 study. And then I still had a messy beginning, but it was like a slightly informed messy beginning. And you were like, let's just go for it. Post a video every single day. And then you went into like study, 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 right? Where you were really trying to figure out what worked on the platform. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's funny because there's, I feel like there's two types. Those are two types of people. There's, you know, someone that will, you know, take 74 measurements and <laughs> be like, wait, this, ah, I'm not sure. But, yeah. You know, let me just get it. And that's, that's not a bad thing. It, it's not. Um, but just, it's, it's kind of like, you know, you gotta just give yourself a date and just no matter what happens, just go and, yeah. and do it. I think it's important that you know yourself because some people will get in that like research mode and they will get stuck there forever. You know, they'll overanalyze and they'll never get started. For me, I know I'm just like a researcher type person, but I'm I always do get started. So I just need to like give myself some time. You know, I need to know how much time I'm giving myself, but I need to give myself a little time to get to know what I'm doing and then I'll jump in and I'll be all in. But mm -hmm. it helps me to be able to plan, I think, when I know what I'm getting myself into. But like I said, people have to know themselves because if you're going to be the kind of person who just gets in research mode for too long and never gets going because of that, then it would be better for you to just like jump in like Marissa did. Yeah. Yeah. I, yes, completely 100% agree. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Work Less, Earn More. Before we wrap this up, listen into this question a Startup Society member asked during the live stream. Let's see. Um, a question from Tomlin Campbell. Uh, he said, how did you develop your YouTube style? I noticed your style is playfully fashionable and that you're fun and easy to listen to. Plus, you've got a lot of moving images and cool sound effects in your videos. How did your YouTube brand evolve? Oh, that's really nice. Thank you for that. Uh, it's it, For me, the biggest thing was just being vulnerable and being myself because there's nobody else that you can be except yourself. And so it's sometimes you see a, another creator on YouTube and you're saying, man, I, I want to make videos like that. But you just can't. You really can't. And so it's best to just embrace your personality and who you are. Because to me, I've, I, to me, even so, I look at my videos, I'm like, man, I sound boring or I sound dull or you're always your big critic. But if you're being vulnerable and being real about the journey you're on and you know what value you're giving that is going to to make people love you and the brand honestly that's that's the number one thing i could recommend and as as far as um the editing as the graphics and everything that's just that evolves over time uh the, you know cuz when you're if you start editing your videos yourself you'll learn simple things like titles doing cuts and cutting out the fluff. You'll learn uh, lower thirds. You'll learn subtitles. You'll learn B how to add B-roll and stuff like that. And so the editor is supposed to be better than you. So they'll, the idea is they take your video and make it look good. So there's, <laughs> they should be always, a good editor will always try to level up their videos. They will. <laughs> Tomlin responded in the comments of the live stream and he said, no way, you really are not boring. <laughs> but I think that, you know, everyone, 
sees both sides of this, okay? Everyone feels like they are boring when they watch their videos. And objectively, if you watch someone's raw video, most, like right now we've got this nice dynamic with an interview where we get to go back and forth and it makes it more like fun and punchy, right? But if I just sit there and just like talk to a camera, especially if it's a longer thing like a YouTube video, it's gonna get boring if you just watch the raw video. In fact, I would say that most people would have trouble sitting through mine or yours raw videos. Like they'd be like, like get bored while they're watching them okay mm -hmm. because it is long it is slow there is pauses there are stumbles right it's not fun or exciting or fast-paced at all and the editing helps so much so like to everyone who's listening right now and thinking like well you guys are fun on camera you guys you know have a lot to say you guys are well spoken but when i get on camera i stumble around and i am boring right it's not the difference between us and them right? It's not the difference between us and the people who are listening. It's the difference between right now we're doing an interview. And it's the difference between th the editing, really, the editing brings so much life to a raw video. And I don't think that you can imagine how much of a difference it makes until you have a professional editor or someone who knows what they're doing, you know, touch your video, and you see the before and after for yourself. Yeah. And the other thing Gillian is like, you have hundreds of videos public on your channel, right? I mean, oh, yeah. we've, practiced hundreds of hours, like thousands of hours doing this. And so, and that's, that's what it is too. You just, sure. you're, you're developing this skill of public speaking and camera confidence, all of these things, each video, you really do get, you get better and better. And so that's, that's a, another huge component is we've practiced so, so much. <laughs> yeah, it reminds me of that expression, like you can't compare your day one to someone else's like day 1000 or something like that. Like if you're just getting started and you're feeling awkward, okay, well, don't compare that to my video or to Marissa's video today because we started there too, really. 100%. And I think that the change comes both from like, I mean yes, from repetition, but both from getting comf comfortable and just naturally getting more confident on camera. And also the intentional changes that you make when you then edit or watch your videos and you see things you don't like about them and things that you like about them. And you decide to make these intentional changes like, oh, I need to move my lighting. I should be talking a little faster. Oops, I was talking too fast. You know, I need to slow down. I need to pace myself a little bit more. Just all the things, you know, and that can only happen as you do have you know, you have all these videos to watch and you can analyze them yourself. Exactly. So Marissa, before we wrap this up, what, what is your best advice for someone who is thinking about starting a YouTube channel right now, or maybe they just got started? What would be your best advice? Something maybe you wish you had done that now, you know, would have grown your channel faster? Yeah, I would say maybe the top, the top three things is, you know, one, just get into that mentality that you're excited to get into a big pool of this traffic it's it's youtube is competitive but that's really great news for you so get into this mentality that you're that you're super excited to just join and and everyone at the top could win there's room for everyone at the top could win there's no such thing as a saturated uh market or topic or audience um go go in there and get it go, you know every your brand is going to succeed eventually and so the second thing would be branding not like your whole full branding identity but just uh maybe a a guide for a color palette for your thumbnails i would say plan that out that is a really great thing to plan in the beginning and then also just uh, you know strategically plan your first 
you know, 15 to 20 titles on, on your channel and, and make them, you know, relevant to, to the niche that you're in and just make sure they're, they have good things like keywords in them that that's good. Keywords are good. Yeah. <laughs> Great advice, Marissa. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today and just for everything you've shared with us. I know this was really insightful. I've seen so many amazing comments on the live stream about how helpful people found this interview. So thank you so much for taking the time and just for everything you've shared with us. Thank you. It was a pleasure and honor to be here. Thank you so much. <laughs> All right. Well, that is everything for today. Thank you so much for joining me for today's episode. If you found this episode helpful and you would like to participate live in future recording sessions, then be sure to visit startupsociety.com slash podcast to learn more about all the benefits of membership and apply to join. And finally, it would be a big help if you left Work Less, Earn More a review on Apple Podcasts. Not only will this help us reach more people, but it's also going to give you the chance to potentially win a 12-month membership to Startup Society. All you need to do to enter is post your review on Apple Podcasts, then email a screenshot to contact at gillianperkins.com. Thanks again so much for listening. Now let's wrap this up. I'm Gillian Perkins, and until next week, stay focused and take action.